Radiant Barrier. This is 7 Minutes of BS. Building science with a beat. I'm Dan Morrison, editor of Pro Tradecraft. A radiant barrier is a material that blocks radiant heat transfer. And that is Jonathan Smeagol of RDH Building Science Laboratory. Radiation heat transfer occurs between objects of different temperatures and generally moves from hot to cold. So if you're standing next to a cold wall, you'll start to radiate heat to that wall and you'll feel cold. If you're standing next to a hot wall or a fire or, or some sort of heat source, you will start to feel the radiative heat off of that material. So heat is transferred from one object to another through space by way of electromagnetic radiation. Electrons buzzing around inside the objects are what creates the electromagnetic radiation And the temperature difference between the two objects determines the intensity of the net radiative heat transfer. If you were to use a radiant barrier between you and either the cold wall or the heat source, then you wouldn't feel as cold or as hot standing next to those materials. Just like one of those foil emergency blankets that your grandfather has in the trunk of his car. Just in case. These foil blankets can keep your heat waves from being radiated away just when you need to hang on to them. The so-called blanket interrupts the electromagnetic waves. It acts like a mirror. One of the side effects of using a barrier to block radiant heat transfer is that it often actually heats up or cools down the surface of the radiant barrier above or below the surrounding air temperature. This doesn't matter with Gramps foil blanket, but when you cool down parts of the roof sheathing or wall, something moist can happen. And that is one of the biggest risks of using radiant barriers in uh, enclosures such as roofs and walls uh, because if the surface of that radiant barrier cools below the dew point, you can get condensation on that surface. But wait, there's more. Radiant barriers are often vapor barriers too, so you have to be careful about where you put it inside the enclosure because it will stop the flow of vapor and may also result in moisture accumulation. So a poorly placed radiant barrier can work against you. They can also work quite well in some applications. Because radiant barriers block heat transfer through space, they need some sort of space adjacent to them to work at all. If they are put in contact with another material, they don't have any radiative heat transfer. It's all conduction. It's all in contact, which is why the foil bubble wraps that were marketed as being put underneath a slab don't actually work as a radiant barrier because they're in contact with the ground on one side and the concrete on the other. The little air gaps inside the bubbles are too small to do any kind of actual work. One place where large air gaps do exist is in attics, and that's a good example of a place to put a radiant barrier where it can make a lot of sense. But again, you need to think about the implications of where you're putting it and what it might cause to happen. A common place people have put radiant barriers in the past is on top of the attic insulation in a ventilated attic, which is actually a bad location because it actually stops any movement of moisture from the inside into the attic space, doesn't let it ventilate away, and results in moisture accumulation. A better place for a radiant barrier in a roof assembly is on the sloped sheathing. One of the most common uses of radiant barriers in residential construction is in the southern United States in the hot, humid climates um, like Texas, where they don't have basements and they put a lot of the mechanical equipment in the attic. They often use radiant barriers on the underside of the roof sheathing to help limit the amount of heat that that attic sees. To lower the amount of work that the insulation has to do and to lower the amount of work that the air conditioner has to do. Another place that actually makes sense is if you have like a metal roof and you have it, it's on strapping and then you put foil face polyiso or even 
you know, a radiant barrier on top of that, you can actually reduce the heat that even gets to the, the sheathing. Um, and it actually is, it works on the walls too. So if you had a cladding and you had a ventilated cavity behind that cladding, if you had a radiant barrier on the next layer on the other side of that ventilated space, you could reduce the heat flow. Again, though, you have to be careful in some climates, you don't necessarily want a vapor barrier radiative surface on the uh, outside of the wall assembly. Before the show, Jonathan said he hadn't actually measured how effective a radiant barrier is on the outside of an assembly like this. But I have heard anecdotally that it's reduced the heat flow, especially in roofs, a fair bit. The reason why they seem to work so well in Texas roofs is because there's a huge temperature difference between the surface of the roof that's been heated by the sun in the inside of the attic. Radiant barriers work best under large temperature differences with with minimal insulation in the wall cavity. They kind of compete with insulation if they find themselves in proximity. As we move towards higher R-value wall assemblies, radiant barriers don't make as big a difference as they did when we had smaller amounts of insulation and larger delta Ts or larger temperature differences. Basically, the better you insulate, the less sense a radiant barrier makes. One of the other things to remember is that a, a radiant barrier only works when it's clean and shiny. If it gets dirty or dusty during construction or during operation, it stops working as a radiant barrier and works more like a normal surface. So here's your residential construction radiant barrier checklist. Air gap, huge temperature difference, clean and shiny. One of the most practical uses of radiant barriers is not in residential construction. It's in uh, the construction of ice rinks. Oftentimes in ice rinks, you'll see on the ceiling above the ice rink, it'll be a foil-facing, uh, shiny, reflective surface. And that does two things. Having a radiant barrier above the ice surface stops the heat transfer between the roof and the ice surface. So the ice surface stays more consistent and uniform in temperature, which is great. And it actually limits the heat loss through the roof assembly because there's not as much of a delta T or a temperature difference across the roof assembly when you reflect all the cold back to the ice rink. So now you can wow them at the hot cocoa stand at your local rink. And don't forget, you get paid for what you do and what you know. Now you know a little bit more about radiant barriers. So do this. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, the Google, or SoundCloud. And when you do, give us a big thumbs up and a positive review. It'll help us get found in their algorithms. I want to thank RDH Building Science for providing engineers and adult supervision in these podcasts. Seven Minutes of BS is a production of the SGC Horizon. Media.